Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. All right, good morning everyone. How are you all today? This is City Limits. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. That was Corey over there talking, and that was Emma over there talking. I'm Kevin. This is City Limits. It's the third Wednesday of the month. It's housing day. It is. And we're going to be talking. We'll get to housing. But first, we've got a a little uh, item you're going to raise, Corey. Uh, oh, yeah. This is about 501 visas. Apparently, yeah. uh, Peter Dutton's been given too much power, and he's abusing it. Oh, go on. <laughs> I know it's a bit crazy. So it's it's a piece, it's about a ten minute piece you're going to play for us in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did you want to hear that? Right. Right. No. Yet? No. No. We'll go. We'll go there to about, do the pouring about of the quarter tea. past or so. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a bit of a ray first, and yeah. then have the pouring of the tea. Uh, and there's the cups clicking. Then, um, and um, in the um, second half of the program, we've got um, we've got Jarvid Dakal, who's one of the people down at the Bendigo. Well, you've teed this up sort of. I spoke to him a couple of days ago, but tell us about it, uh, Emma. Okay, uh, so um, there was the east-west link, which was um, basically just a road, um, and it was going to very go... Poorly planned very poorly-planned road. Very poorly-planned road. Apparently it had all these benefits for reducing congestion, um, but, yeah, they scrapped it in 2014, um, and they purchased a whole bunch of houses um, for that, um, and now they are vacant, and apparently they're going to go back onto the market, the private market. Um, but, yeah, a whole bunch of people want them for private, for um, <laughs> yep. public housing. Yep, okay. And possibly. And Jarbid DeCosta is one of the young people down there who's currently occupying those places. And I can't mm. see if, if, they're, if they're vacant. What, 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 what's the objection? Most of, of them are vacant. People, yeah, yeah, people living in the bloody things. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens. They've actually got a house. That group's now actually got a name. They're, called, they're calling themselves Houses Need People, People Need Houses. How about that? Mm. And we'll be talking to him about half past. We'll be talking to them with uh, April Brake, who's coming in from the Housing with the Aged Action Group. We hope, we hope she gets in. She's been caught in recent weeks with this massive... Um, ah, I see. She's going to ring in. Okay, um, so April's going to ring in. I was about to say she she has real trouble with traffic these days. She, if she wants to get to work by a certain time, she has to leave about three hours earlier mm. to get through the western suburban traffic with all the jams out there. So she did say she could have trouble this morning getting across this far. So we'll talk to both of them anyway in that last half hour, including other stuff with April about housing generally. So um, that's today's program. And can I just get a bit of a plug-in before we go, because at the end of the program we usually rush for time. But in two weeks' time, which is our our normal transport day, the first Wednesday of next month, uh, John McPherson will be in, but also Peter Murray. Um, Peter was a train driver for 35 years, and in recent times he's been a train driver instructor. 
but he he's recently retired and he has we tried to get him on the program but he always was a bit wary because he was still working there mm. uh, but uh, he has some scathing comments to make about the way the transport systems run and the met, way metro operates as an employer uh, and he's coming on in two weeks time to in fact he probably won't get through it in one show he's got so much to talk about but uh, we're going to have a real, a real go at the uh, a real insight from inside about the way that the privatised public transport system operates. Mm. So that'll be in two weeks' time. Great, yeah. that sounds great. Mm. Yeah, so we've got Peter in two weeks. Uh, now, look, speaking of great things, um, have, have, no, we haven't yeah. done the. The, the pouring of the tea. Oh, well, what are you God, doing? I'm oh, sorry. Look, I, I, no, <laughs> the listeners no, will be outraged. Can I be forgiven? <laughs> I got too excited about that, Peter Murray. <laughs> Hang on. There we go. There we are. That's one. Some that's, appropriate silence. That one's for so Emma. Can no, hear we've it. got to be able to mm. hear it. Yeah. If people, you know, we 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 help some people get over bladder problems by doing this. So this is the most important part of the show. Very it is. There we are. <laughs> Many people probably think it is. <laughs> that is the worry. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Now that we've done that. Well, you'll be you'll be you'll be shattered to know that, um, and we don't like to push. Um, privatised things on this program or private companies, but I think we should in this case. NBC Universal has one of those streaming services. It's just started up for telly, yeah. But there's a technical hitch and they've been getting lots of complaints because people can't get keeping up with the Kardashians and the Real Housewives. Oh, no. No, no, they can't. And I thought to myself, well, if if I couldn't get keeping up with the Kardashians and the Real Housewives, I'd ring up and thank them. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I mean... They should be getting people ringing up saying, congratulations, well done. The problem with these streaming services is that if they don't get it right first time and make it really easy, people just download it illegally because that's so easy. Yeah. Well. So they've got a real problem on their hands. Poor things. The other other one that uh, we have a department in this state called the Department of Economic Development Jobs transport and resources. Now, the jobs bit means that one assumes that this department is there to create jobs across the state. You'll be pleased to know that as of uh, this week, they've announced they have to cut <laughs> lots of their own staff. Yeah, or, right. or they're planning to. So you've got the jobs department that's there to, uh, to create jobs, saying that 30 of its staff have to be redeployed or they could face involuntary redundancies. So, so much for that little department. So I'd mention that. Um, have a sip of tea now. Mm. I've got to have a sip of tea now. Yeah, yeah. yeah hang on. Mm. Ah, yes, this is white tea today again, Emma. You're pleased Lovely. to know. Lovely, yeah. Yes. Um, won't tell Corey that she won't drink the stuff. But anyway, um, this one I found interesting. When you chop down forests, if you're a forester, and this is a comment from the... Uh, the association, the Australian Forest Products Association, they've got this wonderful idea for renewable energy. Have you heard about it? Is it burning old trees? Burning wood oh, waste. Yeah, so, for um, the renewable energy. Yes, so yeah. they say so they chop down the tree and yeah. you've got all the wood waste they would normally presume throw out or something. Yeah. So um, they've decided that they might as well turn that into a neat little earner. So now they're saying this would be a wonderful contribution to renewable energy. If you chop the tree down, I'm not sure how renewable the energy is. And but anyway, yeah. Native forest? Oh, well, it doesn't yeah. say that. I but think most of the time it well, is. Well, a lot of it is. I mean, we know a lot of it is. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, they've got this wonderful plan, and they say this will make a major contribution to uh, the environment. Isn't mm. that wonderful? They, um, yes, they say, in fact, 
there is a massive opportunity, which is the big thing, opportunity, for us to increase the amount of renewable energy in the national energy mix and at the same time support the move by individual pulp and paper and sawmills away from traditional carbon-intensive energy sources to cleaner, greener energy. Aren't they wonderful people? You would think that the... I don't know, this is just a thought, but that the waste would would go to the pulp and... Uh, chipping area. You would think of so. Things. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe there's stuff that is can't. I, I think it's know, like or, big stumps know. and like mm. bits of wood still stuck in the ground. Like, oh, okay. The real kind of waste products of clear fell logging. There you go. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for answering my question. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's it. But I thought I think that uh, chopping down trees for renewable energy seems to me to be a little self defeating. Mm. But I won't uh, won't take it any further yeah. than that. Um, you were also pleased to know that the um, the banking industry this week has made it clear that uh, a royal commission into the banks would destroy the economy. Uh, oh, wow. Totally destroy it, yes. <laughs> so uh, the economy is that precarious, oh, is Apparently, a, a banking royal commission would be a drain on the economy and a waste of taxpayers' money, unlike the wonderful royal commission, of course, into the unions, which wasn't a waste of money because... That help, that's uh, helping clean, make the country economy work better. You know, they could uh, be right because if the whole economy is based on lies and you uncover those lies, then that might actually destroy the economy. Well, that's one of the things that... Um, uh, that's one of the points that actually I, I found interesting. Um, Mike Hurst said that. That first comment was Mike Hurst. He's chief executive with the Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Um, but... Um, the leaders of the big banks... Now, this is the phrase I like. Leaders of the big banks also warned a royal commission would create a rod for Australia's back by damaging the sector's reputation in the eyes of international investors. In other words, <laughs> they'd be exposed. <laughs> they'd know what we're up to. <laughs> that, that's, that's the line I like. But then again, I, that, then I thought, well, that's, first I thought, yeah, that's because they'd find out what they're up to. But then I thought the international investors would probably think it's wonderful they're up to that sort of thing because they're all up to it. Exactly. Yeah, so what, what have they got to worry about? Turns out Australia's getting away with blue murder. There you go. Well, whatever, yeah, yeah. Mm. And also uh, on this uh, business with the trucks this week and where we've had the federal government coming out and Michaela Cash, the ex-Freehills partner, now Minister for... Um, we call her Minister for uh, what do we call her? Michaela Kosh the Workers Kosh the Workers um, Michaela and the gang have come out supporting workers to the hilt as you know Corey because mm-hmm. they want to take lower wages and conditions and they're, you know, they're fighting against a report that said they should get higher wages and conditions. And better, oops, better. Hang on, I'm off the air, aren't I? Oh, I'm only, only in terms of my earphone. It's all right, yeah. <laughs> I just came out, listener. Must have pulled on something. Anyway, um, the. Um, yeah, so the 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 trucking industry, uh, these private truck people, um, us, uh, when the government are all one saying we need... So it's great to see the government supporting workers, I say. Mm. But this federal Liberal member, a bloke called Dean Smith, he's a Liberal senator for Western Australia, and he came out and he said, not only will... You know, the government says, look, it's going to cause suicides, family breakups, mum and dad investors are going to be in the, go to the wall. It's a shocking bloody thing. You name a social disaster, it's going to cause it if you pay truckies more. Wow. Let, me, let me tell you that. And make things safer. I mean, God almighty, that, that might, the employers might have to pay more money. Mm. Anyway... This bloke, Dean Smith, says the impact of Bill Shorten's TWU membership drive 
extends beyond Australia's owner-drivers to the kitchen table of every Australian by forcing up the price of household goods and groceries. Mm. By how much? Isn't it? Doesn't say, but isn't that serious? Mm. Well, that's how much it costs to truck them. Yeah, that's right. So... That's right, those trucks that back into Woolworths and Coles and those places we see, we always admire them enormously. <laughs> um, and I've just realised I've got the cord stuck around my foot, which is why the thing came out anyway. <laughs> I don't want to stand up, I could go straight to ground. Um, the, so there we are. Uh, yeah, but of course the government this week um, did manage to um, put that whole thing off, and it not only got not only put it off, it got rid of the tribunal that made the ruling, which was called the um, the road the road safety remuneration tribunal, mm. and it's it had no problem with the road and the tribunal bit. It was the safety and remuneration that the government had problems with, and uh, it it wiped out the tribunal altogether. It just got rid of it. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, that's um, definitive action against the workers once again. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. And, and you'll be pleased to know last week, Toll, which is one of the big trucking companies, of course, they came out and they, they were prepared to make a big concession. They conceded that maybe the introduction of the higher wages and conditions should be deferred indefinitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. so that, that was good of them, wasn't it? <laughs> Great. <laughs> as long as they're only deferring it and not cancelling it. Oh, no, 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 it's not cancelled. It's just, just deferred, deferred indefinitely. indefinitely. Yeah, all right. Um, and just to finish, because we better go to that ten-minute thing of yours or whatever it is, um, the, the director. I like this one because uh, there's been a move on to suggest that uh, that directors of companies should be responsible for uh, any criminality. Not that there would be too much in in big companies, but if they get sprung doing something, the the, the directors could be held responsible if it's seen to be part of the culture of the company that, that workers act that way in ripping people off down the line. And they're all screaming and yelling about this terrible thing. And this week the the directors came out, the direct the companies instituted directors, etc., all came out and said that directors warn the buck stops with chief executives in the latest salvo in the business culture wars between government regulators and boards. So they say, well you can get the CEO who is a you know highly paid employee, but as for we directors who are on many, many companies, well, no, thank you very much. We are not responsible for what happens in the companies no. we're directors of. But they still take the director's fees, one assume, and it quotes some directors here who are directors in all sorts of companies, you know, loads and loads of directorships, getting big money for all of them, and they meet about half a day a month or something. Um, and they say it would be terrible to do this to us because how can we be held responsible for what you know, the companies that we direct do? And I suppose that's only fair enough, isn't it? Like we're not responsible for whatever comes over the airwaves on 3CR in this program, no, aren't we? No, that's true. No. Thank goodness. No, that's right. Thank <laughs> God for that. Maybe I'll just finish with one other one because I do find this one, this one's, this is a serious one. We know that um, some years ago, um, the uh, 40 years ago in fact, um, Israel seized the Golan Heights, which are part of Syria, and they're the area of Syria, uh, this Israel, Golan Heights, part of, but they've been occupying it ever since, and and they now say, Netanyahu's now come out and said that um, the, um, he, tra- he travelled to the Golan Heights last week and declared that Israel will remain, retain full control of the mountainous plateau forever and never return the strategic highlands to neighbouring Syria. And no other country in the world, which is amazing, including the US, recognises their, their, their ownership of it. But Netanyahu's now saying they'll never, ever return it. It is now part of Israel. And... Um, 
that um, everyone is better off now because they are, et cetera, et cetera. So just to mention that, they've come out and said that the Golan Heights, which they've occupied, it's part of Syria, are now saying that uh, they're just going to keep it. That's it. So they call first dibs on it. That's it. Yep. So there you are. So shall we go to this? this yeah, why not oh, introduce so it? Yeah. Basically what it's about is that um, if you're getting a visa mm-hmm. or if you already have a visa to be in the country, that can either be not granted or revoked because of a uh, character test. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, so that's called the, the, the 501 <laughs> statute, I think it is. Mm. And um, believe it or not, some people have had their visas cancelled and revoked on very little grounds. How long has the character test been around for? Is it a new uh, Yeah, it's a new, new thing. that's been introduced? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I'd say, I'm not entirely sure, but mm. from what they said, I would say about a year. Mm. It's really concerning. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's mostly affecting New Zealanders. Oh, really? Yeah. So there you go. Mm. Shall we? Let's Let's go to it. Mm. Yeah. The Australian Government Department of Immigration and Border Protection has extraordinary powers, and they have been using them. On Monday, a group marched to the Victorian Parliament to bring attention to this issue. I spoke with Stuart Corcrane, who helped organise the rally. So, hi, I'm Corey from 3CR Community Radio. What brings you here today? Well, in this current um, situation, we have a Minister Dutton, who is judge, jury and executioner, and he can tap anyone on the shoulder and deport them with no charge and hold them indefinitely without conviction. And no man should have that power. This is some audio of the speeches. First of all, we would like to pay homage to the indigenous people, the indigenous that have been here for 60,000 years. We should be edifying that. We should be celebrating it. So on that note, on behalf of us, all of those who have gathered here, Thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to pay the ultimate, ultimate acknowledgement to them. We are Kiwis. We've travelled in the last month 17,500 kilometres to bring awareness and education around the impact of 501. We jumped on on an RV van and a lot of people called us crazy. But you know... That's what it took to bring this awareness and set campfires all around this country. We left Sydney on the 18th. We travelled to Gold Coast. We met families and friends onto, onto the Gold Coast, up to Townsville, across the top, Mount Isa, up to Darwin. Every place we stopped and we acknowledged the people, the Conrads, and the CFMEU have been staunch supporters of that, my brother. We then went from Darwin Broome, Port Hedland, Karasa, and we did exactly the same as what we're about to do now. We then went on to Perth, where four and a half thousand of our Maori people were gathered, and we shared this narrative with them. We come across and up to Adelaide, and now we're here at Parliament House with all of our Conrads. Yeah! Tomorrow we will walk on to Canberra, pitching the same, the same issue. Because why? It affects us. We as Kiwis now have the second largest numbers being detained in detention centres and yet only 
16 months ago, we didn't even top in the top 16. How bizarre is that? There's 650,000 of us. 78% of the adult population contribute to the tax system here. We contribute eight, nine billion dollars to this tax system here. And yet, we're now the number one being deported out of this country. How bizarre is that? We've had some brothers, as you know, on the front pages of Sydney, Kohapu, Mehakatepuya, who are brothers, who are now and were detained and held without conviction or a crime. How bizarre is that? So on that note, I'm going to pass the mic over to my sister, Edna, who's been campaigning for the last three years, bringing awareness and educating people right across the country. Loreda Tenna Koto, Moriora. Kia ora koutou katoa, uh, ko ere nga murunga toku ingoa. Uh, as my brother Chris said, I'd first and foremost like to pay my respects to the tangata whenua, the indigenous people of this land, the traditional landowners of this area. And, um, and that's what we hope to uphold all the way around. We have a human rights issue, yes. But there's been human rights issues going on for the home people of this country for over 200 years, and we must never forget that. And if the home people can't get justice, how much harder is it for anyone else? Every other group in this country that are being screwed over by legislation and policy continuously need to work that one out. There is approximately 3% of the Australian population are New Zealanders, more than the Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. They need our support. And I know this kaupapa, this issue is about Section 501 of the Migration Act, but believe it or not, even though it's an immigration pro problem, it is affecting the Indigenous people. Once again, just like the Immigration Restriction Act in 1901, also known as White Australia Policy. This is what people don't understand out there. Immigration isn't about the people coming into this country, it actually hurts the people on the inside more than it does on the outside. Section 501 is targeting long-term residents of this country. They do not care if you've got connection with the indigenous people of this land. They do not care if you are a mother or father or grandmother, grandfather, uncle, auntie, child. They do not care because immigration isn't cultural. It does not come from a cultural lens. Therefore, it's really important that people start to get better informed and educated because for too long we've stood back and said it doesn't affect me. Australian residents who are dual passport holders are having visas not granted or cancelled on flimsy grounds. Some of these residents have been here for decades and have extensive family connections. My husband's mum will be 90 years of age this year and she fears she will never ever see Alex again. And I think that is totally wrong. When she brought into this country in 1967, they didn't come here for a holiday. They packed up their whole lives in Malta and came here. And before my husband came in 67, he already had six brothers working in this country from the late 50s to save enough money, buy a house and bring his parents and the rest of his family over. There are a lot of reasons that you may have your visa refused or cancelled. The Department of Immigration and Border Protection has a character test. The test includes such items as having committed war crimes or crimes against humanity to make it seem like it has a real purpose. 
But there are also other very vague offences, like that the minister reasonably suspects that the person in question has had some association with a group that the minister once again reasonably suspects has committed a crime. One of the boys wants to read out a letter from um, Lee's daughter, isn't it? Yeah. Lee's uh, in, in a detention at the moment, oh, hand over. Yeah, thank you all for coming along. Okay, I promised uh, this young lady that I'd read this out in every meeting we've had. So, a promise is a promise. Kia ora. My name is Mary. I am the eldest daughter of Mihaka Li Tapua, a 501 detainee. On November 2nd, 2015, my papa was on his way to work, early hours of the morning, when he was pulled over and detained. His visa was revoked due to his apparent failure of the character test. My papa has no previous pending charges. He's never been to jail or convicted. He was also an army reservist. My papa is missing out on so much. When he left, my baby boy was two and a half months old. He's now eight months old. He missed his grandson's first Christmas. My 20th birthday. My sister's 10th birthday, the twins' school graduation, and all their state sports through the summer, which he was always so proud to be part of. Not only has he missed these days, but my family has missed out on these days with my papa, and they're things we can never get back or relive. Because my papa liked to ride his Harley with his brothers, he's classed as bad character when actually, without actually doing a crime. Once again, he has no previous or pending charges. The only thing he's guilty of is being a hard-working, loving, caring father, husband, grandfather, godfather, son, uncle, brother, and friend. There are no words to describe how hard it is personally, but I hope every one of you will walk away with the knowledge on what's happening and hope to get your support in stopping this. Thank you. Another vague offence that you can be suspected of is that there is a risk that the person would incite discord in the Australian community or in a segment of that community. This effectively prevents non-citizens from ever being involved in political activity. The Department of Immigration and Border Protection says many long-term residents might believe that they're citizens, but they could be wrong. Peter Dutton is saying he's trying to protect Australia and Australian citizens. He reckons it's all about national security. If that's the case, why are Australian families hurting? Why are they being destroyed? If they are the ones he's trying to protect, why are they the ones screaming in horror? Of course, all of this is up to the discretion of the Minister for the Department of Immigration and Border Protection. That's Peter Dutton. To say, you know, who's in charge of that law, who's judging everyone's good character, which is what Tavo one is, you have to pass a good character test. They don't even have to tell us what the test is. Mr. Dutton, in 2008, when Kevin Rudd uh, apologised to the Stone Generation, Minister Dutton was on the front bench and he was the only minister to abstain. 
The Australian Human Rights Commission brings attention to the fact that the Minister for the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, Peter Dutton, can decide that someone doesn't pass the character test because it's in the national interest to do so. In this case, the national interest isn't defined. It is a matter for the Minister to decide. The Minister has the highest level of decision-making power, so his decisions cannot be appealed. The website for the Department of Immigration and Border Protection says, In some cases, even if you do not pass the character test, we, or the Minister, can exercise discretion not to cancel your visa. Only two things result in mandatory visa cancellation, serving a custodial sentence for more than a year or having been found guilty of a sex crime involving a child. If you've committed war crimes, crimes against humanity, crimes involving torture or slavery, then there are no absolutes. A person could be granted a visa having committed serious crimes if they have the approval of Peter Dutton. Under this system, Aung San Suu Kyi would definitely not be allowed into Australia as she has served more than one year under house arrest as part of her fight for democracy, but Pol Pot, having committed heinous war crimes but never having gone to jail for them, could be let in with Peter Dutton's approval. And the Department of Immigration and Border Protection have only just gotten started. And do you think that they're going to use these powers against unions? Against the union? Yeah, yeah of course. They're going to use it against anyone they like. Right, gentlemen. This panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying... Happy birthday, 3CR. All right, we're back. Okay, and I was thinking during that interview, and well done, um, Corey, but when they mentioned that one of the things you could get deported for is being a war criminal, I thought, well, there's a number of immediate past prime ministers of this country who could land in New Zealand very quickly. Well, um, but if Peter Dutton says it's okay... Then, okay. then that, that's fine. You can be a war criminal. You can be a war criminal okay, and get enough. a visa to Australia. Yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> so, so it's all pretty much just up <laughs> oh, to his discretion. Right. You know, luckily for all the war criminals yes, Peter, around. Peter, Peter Dutton's discretion would be interesting given he's such one of the giant minds of this country. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we've got people on the line. I think we I do. do. We've got Jarvid Da Costa, who's with the uh, group called now called Houses Need People, People Need Houses. This is the group, and as you said, Emma, introducing it earlier, um, the houses that were bought for the East West Link and now sitting vacant down there, um, a group of a group of people, mostly young people, I think, have occupied them, which seems to make sense. They're empty. Why not live in them? And we've also got April Bragg from the Housing with the Aged Action Group on the line to talk about housing issues generally, including this one. Jarvid... Um, 
just to open up, can you just background why you're occupying these houses? Uh, I think the story that um, that began began the occupation was the, the story of um, a group of four women um, who, who were homeless, um, who initially occupied number 18 on Bendigo Street. Um, and were, were there for a little while um, before um, being evicted by the owners who were the Department of um, quite a mouthful, uh, you know, economics, jobs, transport and roads or something like that. Um, and they were, they were evicted um, uh, by the police alongside that department um, and they weren't given uh, any other access to, to housing or support services. They were effectively just homeless again for the sake of keeping that um, state-owned house um, to, be, to be a vacant house. Um, which, it, which it still was, um, you know, weeks, weeks and weeks later. So I think that made a lot of people angry. The idea that the, you know, the government would um, turf people out of a property they owned, you know, just in order to keep it vacant, um, and certainly made um, a lot of members of the uh, homeless persons union of Victoria, um, who organised the initial action, um, angry, and a lot of other people who who came along to the um, to uh, occupy number 16 and then number 18 uh, a few weeks ago now, um, and. Uh, yeah, I think initially people thought it would be just you know one day or maybe a couple of days of, of um, occupying it, um, but the, the kind of uh, community support that came out behind it, um, because I guess it is an issue that that a lot of people are you know are able to relate to. The, the figures are, are pretty, are pretty you know are pretty shocking when there's you know, third, you know up to thirty five thousand people on the waiting list for public housing, twenty five thousand people experiencing homelessness, and eighty thousand empty properties. So, April, what do you think about um, the housing occupation on Bendigo Street? Um, well, HAG fully supports um, the people that are occupying it and the and the campaign. Um, we totally agree that uh, there shouldn't be any vacant prop- properties given the um, the housing crisis that we have and the terrible circumstances that people are having to to endure. Both um, if if you're homeless, but those. Um, struggling to keep a roof over their head as most of our clients who are older, um, you know, go, as we said before, go without um, food and medication just to keep a roof over their head in private rental. So really, really struggling. And that includes people also living in really substandard and unsafe um, circumstances. And so while there should be no vacant houses for governments who have um, purchased property and, and then just to have them sitting there vacant is um, truly disgraceful. And with that waiting list, one would think that the first thing the government would think of would be to make these public housing, wouldn't you? Yes, that's right. And when we talk about um, the figure floats between 30 and 35 um, thousand, um, everyone's about thousands on the sorry, 35,000 um, people on the waiting list, that's actually applications. So mm. within that, there are many more people within those applications. So mm. we, we're talking about, mm. um, you know, well over, you know, possibly 200,000 people just mm. lingering on a public housing waiting list. Yeah, and Jabed, down there, what's happening? Are, they, are the police trying to throw you out or are they letting you stay there at the moment? What's the story? Well, things have kind of changed with the, the police a little bit um, after the first couple of days when they, they were, you know, they felt like they had the authority to ask us to leave. Um, but when people, uh, you know, especially on the, the third day, when people came, you know, there was a big show of support, you know, maybe 100 people came down um, to a kind of street meeting that we had um, and we sort of made no bones about the fact that we were um, occupying again in, in number two particularly. Um, 
and and the, that meeting was very supportive of what we were doing. And I think you know the police had a presence there, and, and they were able to see the kind of support that we had. And since then, they really changed their tune. They have they the police still haven't asked us to leave number two. Um, so we we don't believe, according to our, our interpretation of the laws around trespass, that it, re- it requires us to have notice to leave. And we, we don't seem to have been given that notice yet. Mm. Um, yeah. Police certainly haven't asked us to leave. Um, uh, and yeah, I think they feel like there's there's quite a lot of community support for this, um, and that it would be pretty embarrassing, as it should be, for them to remove um, people, including mm. people who are you know in need of housing, um, from uh, a a, a a property that's owned by the state, um, and to do that on 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 the behalf of on behalf of a government that's claiming to be taking action on housing. Yeah, how many vacant properties are there altogether down there? Well, down there we think there's at least seven. Um, yeah. It's a little hard to to be totally certain. But one thing that we're also trying to um, point out is that it's not not just Bendigo Street. No, no. There's, uh, um, there's acro- across yeah. the highway. There's a number of properties just in in the bottom of Clifton Hill, around the corner of Wellington yeah. um, and Alexandra, and then over in Parkville, there are hundreds of, of dwellings. Yeah. And wow. um, there's a number of townhouses and apartments, um, and we want to make sure there's attention on on those as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As an aside, by the way, that a lot of the people who got who got bought out uh, when they were going to build the East West Link were given inadequate compensation in terms of buying something comparable. So they've been forced out of the area where they can afford to buy. So the whole thing, in all sorts of ways, it's been a disaster from the outset, really, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and to either of you, do we know, has the government said specifically it's going to sell these back into the private market? Do we know that? Um they they did say that they were going to sell sell a number of them back into the into the private market. I think that was about a, a year ago when they said that. Um, uh, not not uh, that far from when they said that they would give about twenty of them over to um, a housing organisation. Um, and you know, twenty to a housing organisation is not all of them to public housing. Um, and I think we we might still ask a whole lot of questions about it. But the the, the fact that um. They're selling any of them, even a single one, over mm. over to the mm. private market. Yeah. I think is you know enough to, to be mm. critical of. Does anybody? And that's often Sorry. often the difficulty with um, the different portfolios being involved. I, I think as well because it it is one of the things about the assets being owned by Javed What's the name of the department? Um, basically, what used to be the Rose Department. Um, mm. And mm. then any of the, who who of course saying we you know we want the money back into to assets. Um, and then with the housing portfolio being quite a, that, you know, a minor portfolio, um, within government, um, then trying to to lobby if it, if it is, um, to retain that housing, for 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 housing purposes. Does anyone um, know how long it's been since the government made new public housing? Like added to the good public housing um, stock. Well, but when the um, during the Rudd government time. Um, with the nation building money was probably the the last time where there were um a, a, well in victoria a number of um really terrific housing developments that were were built but again it wasn't done as um part of the overall housing strategy it was done as um an economic stimulus package really to stimulate the the building industry um mm. and allied industries rather than a housing housing plan but that that's the last time that that I'm aware of so, so that's almost 10 years ago now yes that, that that's right that, and, that's and right. indeed the I, other... and I think in the, in the last budget um it was uh, I'm sorry in the yeah in the last um state uh, budget it was um 
was really quite embarrassing, I thought, because it did have the number of new properties that were going to be built, and it was something like 30 or 60. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't anything to, you know, that you could really hang your hat on. And they're giving plenty away, of course, to, in, in terms of yes. so-called social and community housing. And uh, you told me, oh, we'll come, I'll come to that later, but no, we'll come to that later, actually. We'll stay on the subject. But... Um, but, Jarvid, how many people are down there at the moment uh, squatting? I suppose you could say you're squatting. Yeah, I think, you know, some people are happy for it to be described as squatting. I think it's a bit, a bit more, and, and, and certainly we're not, we're not trying to, um, uh, you know, talk down to squatting because I think that's a perfectly reasonable response to these rates of vacancy. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's a protest as well. Um, and, and you know, we, we should make it, you know, fairly clear that we're not able to provide housing for people in, in need at any of these properties because um, we're, not, we're not resourced to do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, there, there are a, num- a number of people, you know, we try to keep around 10 people um, there each, each night and, um, and uh, you know, that, that they're people who are working on aspects of this campaign and, and making sure that they're there to defend the space. They're, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're quite large houses and pretty accommodating and, and you know, yeah. um, it's, it's quite easy to be comfortable there. So, so your, your real purpose is to highlight the problem that we face with homelessness, um, lack of public housing, all those issues. You're really out to highlight that. Yeah, to highlight it and see if we can use this position to get get some kind of actual response um, and commitment. And I think you know we have already been able to highlight it to some degree. There's been you know there was a lot of silence from the state government, but then in the last week or so, there's been a bit more response. There was an article in the Sunday Age about oh maybe some of them might be used for women's refuges, yeah. um, taking mm-hmm. action on family mm-hmm. violence, and and of, of course that's you know that's part of homelessness and and that, that kind of you know response it would be. Um, encouraged, but we'd, we'd want to see a lot more commitment and a lot more detail on that. And also, um, as, you know, how many of these, you know, hundreds of houses are they going to use for that? Is it just the one that we happen to be mm. occupying to draw attention to it? I think that's mm. a reasonable question that we want to mm. answer to before we go anywhere. I think it's great you've made well, the link to the 82,000 vacant properties as well, kind of across all of Melbourne. <clears throat> Was that from the Prosper report that came out recently? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. vacancies, yeah. yeah. Mm. On that point about vacant houses, a group called Launch Housing, which is a homelessness service, um, they came out last week and said the government should, in fact, have a tax on properties left vacant for 12 months or longer. And they point out that a fifth of all investor-owned properties in Melbourne are lying empty and that uh, there were examples overseas where this they are taxed in this situation, so you have a penalty if you leave it vacant. Mm. Mm-hmm. That just, yeah. just sounds, seems to make sense. <laughs> Let's examine it along with negative gearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I was, I was just going to say, with um, the Royal, um, the Royal Commission report just being handed down, mm. and there were some um, uh, really terrific initiatives and announcements in terms of, of housing. But um, they, the government's going to put aside, I think it was $150 million to housing support services. But it was also that included construction of new properties and upgrading of existing refuges, but the bulk of it going to construction of um, either crisis housing or um, or public housing, or as they call it, social housing, and that was around about 300 units. But you could, I mean, with these vacant properties that they they own, that could be initiated immediately um, and mm. and be a plus on top of what's already committed. Um, so it, it is really disappointing that um, this stock hasn't been taken into account. It, it could have been 
you know, a, an announcement as part of that of the Royal Commission, and and basically occupied within, you know, within a month. Mm. So. Yeah. It's um and Jab so Hamlet. It doesn't make sense, and you can bet that the the plan is to to sell it off and put it into the roads port, portfolio. Because mm. the other thing in selling it off, because it is sitting under the roads portfolio, it, it isn't. If, if that happens, and the old story we hear about, well, you know, it's in it's prime real estate, and if we sell this off, you know, we can build double in mm. out outer areas. But um, I, I mean, that's not even something that could be considered because it's sitting. Uh, it's not sitting in the housing portfolio. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's the old argument. Of course, they're using the same in Sydney, where yep. they're selling some of the houses around the rocks and saying we yeah. can then build public housing by selling public housing. But then you put people out on the outskirts, yeah, exactly. and they're worse <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I understand, Javid, that as well as people turning up to your meeting, that there's been a lot of community support um, in terms of people um, making you food and and other things like that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's it's been really really amazing to see just you know all different kinds of people turning up and and offering to support in whatever way they can. Um, yeah, there's a lot of food. Some at some points, way too much more food than we can handle. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of cooking going on, and you know, just a, a lot of people who've been turning up to support us and have discussions, and been able to you know get fed. Um, and yeah, lot, like uh, you know some. Uh, some you know, people came around and um, built a, a ramp to make a, make number two um, wheelchair accessible, um, which was really great. Um, and yeah, just a lot of people like turning up, offering different kinds of skills, and um, and and just the like it, the fact that it was an empty house, totally an empty house, mm. in really good condition, but totally empty. Um, and now it's full of furniture and, and beds and um, and fridges and and yeah. everyone, including people just from you know the street, like someone you know one of the neighbours gave us the fridge. Um, you know, mm. people from all, all over are really you know kind of showing some support. Um, and that's one thing that we're kind of keen to to build on a little bit, you know, because we feel like now that the state governments um, actually articulated a you know something of a position mm. about about these these houses, or at least you know at, you know at least. Potentially, you know, they've, they've got the, in, the background for taking a position on it now. Um, we think that there's a chance they, they might be changing their tune about <clears throat> about their relationship with the police and that sort of thing. Mm. So we're keen to, um, you know, build that support a bit more and um, and have a big public event um, this Sunday at 2 p.m. Um, where we'll be having a street party. Um, everyone's welcome to come along. We'll be, you know, having some discussions about, you know, the importance of um, public housing and and how dire the situation is. Um, and how, um, yeah, how the realities for, for people experiencing homelessness will have food, um, mm. which we also always seem to have an abundance of. You're getting rid of that spare food, food, are you, David? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people, yeah, sure. people will know which ones you didn't like when they turn up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really actually hit a chord with the community. Yeah, sorry, sorry. And, and absolutely, yeah, absolutely needs to because that's mm. uh, you know, it does. as we all know now, it's um, you know, housing, um, accessing housing affects all, all of us um, now. Whereas, mm. I suppose a few decades ago, people were saying, oh, you know, well, I work and I can buy my own home, and never thought their kids would never be able to obtain home ownership or, you know, need to to um, access public housing. But um, every, everyone, basically every family, ordinary working family mm-hmm. um, in, in Australia is affected by this housing crisis. Mm. Definitely. And, mm, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so next 2 o'clock next Sunday uh, sounds like something people should turn up to, Jarvis. 
Yeah, yeah, very welcome. Should be a good day. Mm. And that's Bendigo yeah. Street in Collingwood? That's right, yeah. Yeah, right. And, uh, well, we might end up... Uh, Having no freeway and uh, and public housing, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. Out of the whole thing. Shall we go to a track? Okay, well, look, Jarvid, any more to say? Because we do want to talk to April about a few other things, but you got anything more you wanted to raise before we go off? Yeah. About? Sure, no. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see people down on, down there on Sunday. Thanks for having me. Okay. Great. And well done. Thanks, well, Jarvid, and well, thanks everyone for down there. Congratulations. Yeah. It's a terrific campaign. Yeah. Well done. Good luck to you all, yeah. Okay, thanks, Jarvid, for coming on. Okay, so this is um, Co-Chiol with Torn Screen Door. And we have April on the line from Housing for the Age Action Group. Yep, and April, anything you wanted to say before we move on to anything we wanted to say about stuff today? Uh, um, well, I, I guess just, um, uh, yeah, when you mentioned Miller's points as well, Kevin, because we had been in touch with um, some of the people running the campaign from, from there and... Oh. Um, it's just all the hard work people need to put in, but um, we've, we've both done campaigns at, at the moment about um, people being able to, you know, have long-term housing security, affordable housing security. Um, it's terrific to see that these um, campaigns are going. And it, and that sense of community, bringing community together mm. as, as well is, um, is a terrific thing. Because I think the other side to that is that, um, and perhaps, you know, the Collingwood campaign's a bit of an indication that people are tired of seeing their communities torn apart um, and really just housing, you know, being... So some developer can and real estate agent and owner and property investor can, you know, get big bucks out of it and um, housing losing that character as well about you, you know, that I mean, it's about the density, not mind density, but it's how you then bring communities together because you don't know who lives next door or down the road or, or what's actually happening. And that's what really strikes me about the, the two campaigns that are, you know, bringing people together and people are wanting to know, you know, who's in their communities and making communities healthy so that it benefits everyone. So it's got that yep. feeling about it. Yeah. Um, and Miller's, I, Miller, just Miller as an example, Miller's yeah. point had that so that feeling yeah. about it. I, I used to stay there myself, and if, if it's, of course, if people don't know Miller's Point's just above the rocks, you get wonderful views of the bridge and the yeah. the uh, harbour, etc. And uh, it's it's part of the area that the Green Bands we interviewed, we had replayed yeah. an interview with Jack Mundy here last week, and uh, it's part of the what the Green Bands saved. But uh, sadly, the the current government is now flogging it off on 99-year leases. We're not selling it, they say, but then they say the money yeah. will go into public housing, but it already is public housing, of course. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and why shouldn't poor people have nice housing in yeah, a good spot? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's like that same thing with when you go to the op shop and all the you know really fancy stuff is expensive, and I just feel like, why can't poor people have nice shoes? Why do they always have to have crappy shoes? Yeah, crappy mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, we had years and years ago. I had that um, discussion about um, retaining public housing in inner in city locations, and uh, yeah. very disappointingly, the member for Melbourne, who was also a federal minister, um, you know, said, "Well, you know, just think of the amount that we could um, could build in the in the outer areas, and it's prime real estate, and really have to be very." pragmatic about this but we did point out that if um it kept selling off these um selling off in a city um stock and it um and you didn't have something to balance the gentrification mm. with mm. um 
particularly for Labor governments, um, it puts them in quite a precarious situation. Similar story, April, many years ago when they used to have the Grants Commission come around every year about giving money to local, you know, providing money for local government. Um, we we had a when they came visited Fitzroy a particular year we we ran the campaign to save to save rooming houses which were being sold off at a great rate mm-hmm. and over lunch the chairperson who was sitting next to me said oh but these owners of these properties have to rely on market forces mean they now have to be sold and I said yes but on that argument the people who live there will end up somewhere between Udnadatta and Alice Springs <laughs> um, which he wasn't that impressed with and they cut our funding so I did a big help to Fitzroy that year but uh, the um, but nonetheless that's the case yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. absolutely and I was actually um, in uh, in um, Maribyrnong the other day in um, you know where there's a lot of high rise um, medium and high density um, apartment buildings um, being built along the Maribyrnong River um, uh, probably right through from um, really that Essendon area. Anyway, when I was um, actually walking past, I, I was I wasn't sure whether a couple of them weren't um, completely vacant because it was just a point of any life. But mm. um, and you know how when buildings or houses, as soon as you know no one lives there, that they you know really within a week they that it loses that that life from it and they become quite derelict looking you know, with the papers strewn everywhere and all that kind of stuff come quite unkempt and um i, I thought i think it's amazing that um those two buildings are, are vacant but then um i when i went around the side i did realize that people were living there but it was just <laughs> extraordinary it didn't look like people's homes at all so i think mm. we really need to look at this and was that part mm. of the design do you think um yeah yeah and and but that that's all that you're seeing in yeah. terms of what's what's being built. Yeah. Um, there isn't a isn't a lot of um sort, let alone you know, and then let alone people that are forced to, to live in them by mm. having no other options and have and yeah. paying extraordinary rent. Yeah. Mm. Um, we we're doing um uh we've just completed a submission, um, which is um a number of submissions have been put into the review of the Residential Tenancies Act and um, we were just checking the medium rents, and uh, for a one-bedroom in in Mel- um, Melbourne, it's now three hundred and eighty dollars a week. Mm. Wow, that's huge amount. That's grim. Yeah, mm. yeah. and yeah. for families or or just people needing two bedrooms, that was the one I was really surprised at because it's up around that five hundred. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, per week. Wow. And of course, um, and it would affect uh, people you you work with. Um, April, they're now talking about putting in prepaid meters for people uh, because yeah, they. Make sure everyone. That's right. Uh, so if you don't, if you can't, haven't got the money to prepay, you effectively cut yourself off. They don't do it to you. You cut out the middleman. I think that 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 moves. Um, I I can't believe that mm. this group raises head about every ten years of um you know of. Uh, yeah, considering prepaid meters, it's um, just archaic. And um, rather than looking at, well, what's the issue here that so many people are being disconnected mm. and living in sort of energy poverty? Mm. Um, I, the, I, the, the bills that I'm seeing from clients, because of a lot of people that we've housed, and it used to be that once people were housed in public housing, they could relatively, you know, m- manage um, all the necessities of... of that, that you need and we've got 
um, an extraordinary amount of clients coming back to us now to see whether they could actually get assistance with energy bills and particularly mm. gas bills at the moment mm. are, are just extraordinary. Mm. Yes. Mm. Whereas I would before, think gas and water, wouldn't they? Because water's become very high as well. Yeah, water's really expensive yeah. as, as well. And, and it's not that people have got the botanic gardens at the front of their homes either. Mm. I mean, we're, we're talking about mm. people's daily need for water mm. to, to drink and bathe and cook. Mm. Mm. And before, with, yeah. particularly with gas, it used to be, you know, electricity has always been expensive. But, you know, when you got your gas bill, you said, oh, well, yes, that's a pleasure to pay because <laughs> it was relatively nothing. But mm. I think people with um, gas bills up around $300. Wow. And a, a lot of those, you know, that, that with the service charges and, and the like. Mm. I'm, afraid, I'm afraid we're almost out of time. Mm. We Wait. are indeed, yes. Oh, there we go. Very <laughs> uh, quickly. I, I was, oh, yeah, okay. I had more. Look, I've got stuff we'll raise next month, April, because we have okay, run out. But no we, did, we did that one about Jarvid, and it was, it's pretty important, that issue. Yes, yes. And it's one we've raised time and again with all the public property government owns which end up in the hands of public, uh, of the private sector. So thanks for coming on the show, April. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Kevin. Talk okay, to thanks. you next month. Thanks, April, out there in the okay. traffic jam. Okay, thanks. Okay, so this has been City Limits. Um, what have we had on the show? We've had yeah. April Bragg. We've had Javid. Javid DaCosta. DaCosta. <laughs> Talking about the um, Bendigo Street occupation. And we had your Rowan about the, um, the, the f- visas. Yeah, the, the visas. And the war criminals. Yeah, and what are we having next week? Good question. Fourth Wednesday. I've been trying to think. I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about something about where something we're going to have to. We will go and talk about it at the coffee lounge and think about it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, <laughs> but it'll be good. We'll go, it'll it? be, be good. It'll be fantastic. It'll be fantastic. It'll be so good. So good. Okay, so the time is 9.59. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.